Welcome back to the For Your Best Self podcast. It's Dr. Rebecca Novo. It's exciting to be back in the studio. We took a little hiatus. We've been working on some projects, having babies, things like that. But uh, I was just catching up with my partner, Dr. Sluja, the other day. And she's like, you should really do a podcast on the how to repeal. Um, These podcasts are great for education, patients, uh, far and wide. Our staff learns a lot. So we love these uh, building this library as educational resources for you to learn more about what we do. And I'm here talking about one of my absolute favorite procedures, the Hutter Peel. It's a deep chemical resurfacing peel. Again, uh, a great um uh, suggestion by Dr. Suja a couple years ago. She's like, hey, I'm reading about this peel in the dermatological journals. She said one of us should train on this. So uh, I was excited to go and train with the founder of the International Peel Society, uh, one of the only other uh, physicians doing this peel in Florida. So I was able to do an intensive training uh, with Dr. Cass and uh, learned hands on this peel. We've been doing it for about two years now. And uh, a lot of wows. Um, So I'm going to take a deep dive into this peel, a little bit about the history, a little bit about the peel experience, results, and instructions uh, for patients. So as I mentioned, I trained with Dr. Cass on this peel, and uh, he knew Dr. Hatter pretty well. Dr. Hatter was a dermatologist uh, who really uh, modified the uh, croton peel. So peeling has been around since ancient Egypt. I think Egyptian women discovered that spoiled milk was good for the skin, and that was lactic acid. So that was the first described origins or documentation of peels. Uh, But the croton peel is one of the oldest known medical peels from Europe. There were kind of uh, early estheticians or people that had these solutions um, and they were getting great results resurfacing the skin. And then this became a highly coveted, highly secretive recipe that, uh, of course, doctors wanted to uh, discover and really create formulas that were a little bit safer, a little bit more reproducible. So this is the well-known croton phenol peel. Uh, Baker Gordon, two famous plastic surgeons from Miami, really popularized this or brought it back mainstream into aesthetic medicine uh, 40 years ago. Uh, So it was very popular in the 80s. It's kind of the gold standard of chemical resurfacing. Uh, In the interim, lasers became really popular, very trendy. A lot of device companies were really um, creating kind of marketing for cool peel and CO2 resurfacing. That's when Fraxel kind of became a household name. So the pendulum really did shift to lasers uh, and that technology is being a little bit more cutting edge or sophisticated. Uh, But uh, this is really the tried and true uh, way to resurface. And um, I'm loving the results that we're getting. It's very uh, reproducible and predictable. Um, So what happened is uh, Dr. Hedder as a dermatologist uh, really uh, scientifically discovered that it was not the phenol component that was the workhorse. It was the croton oil, which is a ingredient from plants. So that what was that's what was penetrating the skin and creating the tightening, smoothing, anti-aging effect. So this is well known as the uh, variable croton oil peel, or as Dr. Cass named it, header peel, to give uh, some homage to Dr. Header. So moving on from the history, which we could really nerd out about, um, but I think that's 
uh, it's important to know kind of the background. Um, this is a deep chemical peel. So anyone who has sun damage, wrinkling, uh, this is there's different strengths of solution. Um, you know, I might use the lightest, most gentle solution under the eyes, which is a popular area. Uh, this is extremely popular for around the mouth where we get those deep creases. Even in non-smokers, it's a circular muscle. So every time we speak, emote, um, we're creating those muscles, uh, those wrinkles uh, perpendicular to our muscles. So really popular around the mouth. Uh, we can do the full face safely in the operating room, uh, but I do sections under the eyes, around the mouth, often in combination with our CO2 resurfacing uh, safely in the office with local numbing. So the indication is really sun damage, wrinkles, uh, deep standing lines uh, on the face, uh, and we can treat up to the neck safely. Um, and again, that's done in the office with topical numbing. So typically you would come in consultation uh, with myself or one of our expert estheticians or educators. Uh, everyone in the office is really skilled. We do a lot of this, so they're skilled at identifying who would be a good candidate and pretty much prepping you for that um, procedure. And I will be going through the post-care instructions uh, as part of the podcast for education. So after your consult, uh, you know, we talk about the preparation, talk about the procedure, we'll get you scheduled. Um, and then as far as the procedure itself, uh, it's very comfortable. Some patients want to take a little bit of pain medication, but I'd say that's, you know, 5 to cent five to 10% of patients need to take a medication, but usually it's the topical numbing. The procedure itself is a light kind of, I call it spicy, but just a little bit of topical heat. Um, so the procedure itself is not painful. It's, there's just a predictable heat spike that comes about 30 to 60 minutes post-procedure. And that heat spike will last for about an hour or two post-procedure. So most patients, we encourage that you have a driver to come to the procedure. You'll have all your medications, you'll have all your skincare prep that I'll go through step by step as part of the instructions. Um, so you're in the office and I'm doing the procedure, your skin is cleaned. Uh, we have the topical numbing on for 30 to 60 minutes, that is cleansed. Um, and then we do the peel. The peel itself, you know, depending on how much area we're treating under the eyes could take 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to do one to two coats, um, depending on the amount of anti-aging skin tightening that we need to do. It's completely customizable. I have four to five strengths of solution that I'll use in variable areas. Uh, the, around the mouth is usually the most stubborn lines, and we can use the strongest peel depth on that, uh, that area uh, without any risk of scarring. Uh, so the application of the peel feels a little bit uh, maybe slightly stinging, slightly burning. Um, I'm applying it with Q-tips. Uh, there is a video on our website, www.foryourbestself.com, under the content header peel. There's a video of me applying the peel. Um, so it's just gentle pressure with a Q-tip, and the skin will turn uh, bright white frost, and that's the endpoint that I'm looking for. Um, that's actually protein denaturation in the dermis of the skin, and that's what leads to the skin tightening. So that frost, it's a self-neutralizing peel, so I don't apply anything to uh, stop the peel or end the peel. Um, I'm really just watching the skin at that point. Um, the white frost goes away. It turns into a pink 
swelling uh, within 10 minutes. And that's the point in time where I'll look at the skin and see if I'm going to do a second coat or maybe I'll uh, go over certain lines that might be more stubborn or deep. And then after that, we're going to apply your elastin nectar. Um, that has really been a game changer in the peeling and resurfacing. We we have used elastin nectar since we've uh, started the practice. Um, we were uh, early on to get on board with the nectar as far as part of our post-procedure recovery. Um, it really is incredible at soothing, uh, stimulating healing, decreasing inflammation and redness. Uh, when I trained on the peel, uh, colleagues from other areas were asking about our post-care recovery uh, instructions. We introduced them to the nectar and they really said, wow, that has decreased our healing time in half. Um, we've always used it. So we never did a, you know, controlled study or um, we never tested that. But just from talking to other people that weren't using nectar and introduced the nectar, their healing time that they noticed in their patient was reduced by 50%. So that really just confirmed, uh, you know, us thinking that nectar is a great product to speed healing. We also do advise that in preparation of the procedure, one to two weeks ahead of time. Um, what it, the nectar does is it clears out the skin broken down proteins and, and it stimulates the skin to start laying good collagen, good elastin, uh, which is all helps with the anti-aging and healing process. So I'm going to put that right on your skin after the procedure. And on top of that, uh, we put a barrier cream that could be Vaseline, Aquaphor. We use Elastin's version of Aquaphor. It's called Soothe and Protect. It has some really nice soothing plant ingredients uh, to decrease itching, decrease inflammation, promote healing. So that's going to be on your skin immediately post-procedure. And that's what you're going to do uh, throughout the day until your skin's healed. Healing on average is about a week. Sometimes the deeper areas around the mouth where we might be being a little bit stronger with the treatment, that might heal within a week, week and a half. Um, but the skin is almost 100% of the time healed by a week to a week and a half. And I say at that point, you'll have some redness, some pinkness. Again, the pinkness and redness will be dependent on the strength of the treatment. Um, and that's really collagen remodeling over time. So, um, and every patient is a little bit different. I've had patients with minimal swelling, minimal pain, minimal discomfort, and then there's always, you know, some extreme cases. So we talk on average, um, aver on average skin is healed within a week, and on average you might have some pinkness uh, that fades over one to two months. If you have stubborn redness, we have lasers that I often will treat for patients complimentary just to speed up that healing process, that uh, calming and neutralizing process. Uh, but really post-procedure, it's diligent skin care. So we don't typically do procedures on patients that aren't committed to the skincare program because that's gonna minimize complications and it's gonna prolong results. Every patient's number one question is how, how long will this last? And that's really a variable answer because it's a reset. Um, I can't guarantee how long it's going to last. I'd say on average, very few people do it sooner than a few years. Uh, but again, that depends on maybe you want more results. Maybe we'll be doing it in a year. But on average, people resurface every five to 10 years. Or we could do a lighter version of the initial strong treatment. 
Um, but this is really a skin reset. We're going to get to a new baseline. So that's why skin care and your injectables for maintenance, your esthetician services, alternating microneedling, chemical peels, some skin stimulation every uh, two to four months uh, regularly is really going to maintain the longevity of any reset that we can get with resurfacing. Uh, at minimum, that's going to be skin care, your retinol, sunscreen. A lot of patients will ask, oh, do I have to stay out of the sun for the rest of my life? I mean, we're in Florida. That's not possible. Um, you know, you can't be a vampire. We understand that. But just healthy life choices, avoiding, you know, the peak UV index in a day, doing your outdoor activities, dawn and dusk, wearing sunscreen um, religiously as part of your skincare routine. One thing that has come up a lot in conversation is, oh, I don't, I put sunscreen on when I go out. Well, are you in front of a computer? Oh yeah, I sit in front of a computer 10, 12 hours a day. Well, you really need to protect your skin from that because we are now discovering that blue light or the rays from devices penetrates deeper than UVA and UVB combined. So um, we've noticed as more people work from home, more screen time, more computer time, they're like, man, my age, my aging process just accelerated. It's an interesting correlation, but it we have seen that people with more screen time, um, even though they're not outside or in the sun, um, their collagen and elastin are breaking down a lot faster. So protect the skin. A lot of the uh, medical grade sunscreens now have uh, a layer that's going to protect you from the blue light. Uh, blue light glasses, I recommend all that. So just monitor your screen time is um, something uh, we're starting to educate patients on more. So that's the procedure. Uh, it's pretty simple. We see we typically do a phone check-in uh, where we have an open door policy. If any patients have concerns, we're a phone call away, a text away, office visit away, but we typically will do a phone check-in. We used to have everyone come in day one, but it was just uncomfortable for the patients. You know, they're self-conscious, they're healing, they're swollen. So we do a phone check-in uh, the next day, and then we typically see you the next week. The routine that I'll go through in the post instructions does not change for that week. Um, so uh, it's really just uh, a healing process of meticulous skincare. It is pretty essential that you're off work or out of the public eye for that first week. Essentially, four to five days is critical where you have the most swelling, the most kind of crusting and lifting and weeping of the skin. Um, there is a progression of healing on our website as well. Under header peel, you can see some photos of a, a lower lid that we did um, kind of day one through that first week and then the final result as an example of the healing process and swelling. Again, everybody's different, um, but that's kind of on average a normal uh, course. So we see you at that week mark, and typically by then we're starting a mineral sunscreen. Uh, the only time I've gotten into trouble with the healing is when uh, patients will start something outside of our instructions, say it's a makeup or a concealer, or put something on the skin that's a chemical or an irritant too soon. The skin may look healed, but it's really sensitive. So following the instructions, and you know, it's our job to educate and guide you through that, but following the instructions is really essential to minimize any scarring uh, or prolonged redness or unwanted um, prolongation of your healing. So then at a month, we'll see, after a week, we typically see you at a month just to check in. Um, and 
at that point, we typically will reintroduce your retinol, your hydroquinone, if you were on it before for pigment suppression. Uh, that being said, this peel is extremely low risk for skin types 1-2. That would be your fair skin types. Um, it can be done in skin type 3, uh, but hydroquinone would become essential. So skin type 3 is, you know, more tan, a little bit more melanin, um, maybe some more brown spots, tans easily, rarely sunburns. That's when pre and post treatment with hydroquinone would be really critical to minimize any um, darkening after the procedure of the skin. So really that's the follow-up and from the month we really uh, encourage you maintain injectables. Again, I talk about this being a skin reset. So I love getting um, back on a Botox regimen as soon as the skin is healed, you can do that as soon as a week. That's going to relax the muscles of animation, preserving um, that effect of the smoothness so we're not animating and reforming creases sooner. So I love getting patients back on their Botox maintenance. Uh, once you get a nice soft tissue tightening, um, you can do your fillers, and that might be more strategic with Sculptra or direct fillers kind of for volume and anti-aging. And then definitely esthetician maintenance with skincare check-ins and treatments to refresh the skin, whether that's chemical peels or microneedling for a little bit more collagen stimulation. Uh, so that's really our program. Um, so it really, you know, worked together amongst the resurfacing, injectables, and esthetician segments of our practice. Um, although not covered by insurance, this would be a great treatment for precancers uh, because we're really removing uh, the epidermis, uh, lifting a lot of the precancerous skin changes, and can be safely done in combination of CO2, which will do you know sections of the header peel, most commonly under eyes and around the mouth, and then we'll do face, neck, even up to chest with the CO2 in the office. Um, and oftentimes we'll combine this procedure with an upper blepharoplasty uh, at the same time. So that's really a nice uh, package that we can do in the office as well. So as far as the pre and post care instructions, you will get a written copy of this. It will be gone over um, at your pre-op uh, phone call. So when you schedule, we do a, a pre-call to make sure you have your prescriptions, make sure you have your skincare, make sure you don't have any questions about the uh, instructions. So we do really believe in preparedness. You know, you don't know what you don't know, so we encourage you to ask questions, um, and we're there to clarify. Um, we learn the most through our patients on, uh, you know, if the instructions don't make sense, or could they be clearer, or could they be better? So we love feedback, um, and so the pre and post care instructions are always being refined and evolving. So in general, for any procedure of resurfacing, we give general health tips. As I mentioned, you're going to want to avoid direct intense sun exposure. We encourage hats, sunscreens, um, especially in that peak UV 10 to 2 uh, time frame. Stay hydrated. You're going to want to eat clean, uh, minimal inflammatory foods, uh, as well as lots of hydration. Try to get good night's sleep. And it is essential that you avoid smoking and secondhand smoking. Um, we have patients come in all the time that want to invest in anti-aging, but they're smoking and smoking and UV are the top two aging offenders. So 
Um, it does not. We're going to have diminishing returns with anyone who's smoking or getting a lot of sun exposure. Uh, so two weeks prior to the procedure, you're uh, going to start your elastin nectar. As I mentioned, this is really preparing the skin architecture, clearing out the old broken down proteins, stimulating your skin, triggering your skin to start laying down good proteins. So we'll get a better response uh, with the treatment as well. You're going to start to hold your retinol leading up to the procedure and any exfoliating agents. And then, uh, especially if you're the skin type 3 or um, darker skin tones, you're going to want to start hydroquinone. Or if you have any discoloration to the skin, you're going to want to start to pretreat with hydroquinone. That's a prescription strength um, that we carry in the office. You're going to want to do that morning and night. And then sunscreen is essential. And as I mentioned, don't underestimate computer screen time uh, as far as uh, considering that an exposure. Um, again, we're going to make sure you have all your products. And there is, for the first week, your cleanse is going to be a distilled vinegar soak. So that's distilled white vinegar, bottled water, and we have a recipe that we share with you. And you're basically going to saturate gauze and lay that on the face. Uh, and that is really to degrease and take decrust the skin so that we can get a um, less of a barrier to the nectar to get on the skin. Uh, it's important for the nectar to get on clean skin morning and night so that it can do its healing. Um, you're going to start, we do pretreat with Fambeer. It's an antiviral. Uh, everyone gets that twice a day. If you have a history of cold sores, it's important to increase that dosing to three times a day. Uh, most people don't know that 90 plus percent of the population, if, if you don't have active cold sores, 90 plus percent of the population has dormant or sleepy virus. So any heat stimulation, resurfacing, uh, we talk about it a lot when we do lip filler. Any needle or heat stimulation to the face can uh, stimulate uh, a, the virus to wake up. So we do pre-treat everyone. And if you have a history of active cold sores, we increase the dosing of that. So when you come to your procedure, as I mentioned, it's a, we encourage a driver. It is essential if we're treating around the eyes uh, just for visibility and safety. Uh, but more or less, it's so that you are not distracted by discomfort on your ride home. As I mentioned, there's an intense heat spike that lasts about one to two hours post-procedure. It is absolutely temporary, but we don't want that to catch anyone off guard uh, when they're trying to safely drive themselves home. So someone can drop you off, pick you up, but we really do encourage a driver for safety. Um, you're going to take medication as prescribed. Um, when you come for the procedure, it's important that you don't wear contact lenses. Come with a clean face. Um, it's nice to not have a lot on your eyelashes. Um, wear loose, comfortable clothing, things like that, so it's easy to get on and off and you're not lifting things over your face. So when you get home, um, you're going to already have the topicals applied onto your skin. And uh, as I mentioned, it's important to get the nectar on morning and night. And you accomplish that through a dilute vinegar soak. Um, no scrubbing or rubbing. It's really just a soak and then a press and blot lifting off uh, anything that might be building up. It's the body's natural response to produce fluid uh, in response to healing. Um, and sometimes it's even uh, white. A lot of patients 
send pictures and say, is this pus? We always want to hear from you if you have any concerns. Um, but usually it's a fibrin. The body creates a kind of a yellowish white fibrin uh, through the healing process as well. And that will lift off with your soaks again so that you can get nectar on the clean skin. Um, so again, as I mentioned, you know, day one to seven is really just meticulous skincare with the nectar, soothe and protect, and your vinegar soaks, which you taper off through the week. And then at a week, we introduce sunscreen. And then beyond that, we're going to reintroduce your baseline skincare. And I'd say the foundation of any skincare regimen really should be sunscreen, retinol. And then if you have pigment concerns, it's going to be hydroquinone. And then we like to do something with anti-aging uh, stimulations, whether that's vitamin C or one of our serums during the day. Um, that's a nice added layer for maintenance. Um, and then as far as, you know, beyond the third week, still being sun smart, minimizing sun exposure, being diligent with sunscreen, maintaining injectables and esthetician skin services uh, is going to really maintain your results so uh, you know we've had a lot of success it's probably one of our most uh, in-demand procedures we do several a day uh, five days a week um, so if you have any interest you know you can schedule a complimentary consult uh, with myself uh, so we can assess you or you can see one of our estheticians for a treatment and a skin discussion they can get you started on a skin care regimen if you're not quite ready for procedures i encourage everyone to be on a skincare regimen as a daily habit before we start resurfacing regardless so if you want to learn more uh, schedule a consultation we have a lot of great before and afters on our instagram at dr saluja underscore dr novo on our website www.foryourbestself.com there is a section on how to peel with some before and afters um, or email us info at foryourbestself.com if you want to have some questions or you'd like to schedule you can call us at 321-241-1160 um, so that's Hutter Peel in a nutshell I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode we have more exciting episodes to come so if you like this share it with somebody subscribe and let us know what else you'd like to learn more about all right thank you 